greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Stacks. Uh, this is Jay, the curator of the Stacks. And I'm Shanna. I'm here, too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and this week, uh, this is our third week, and we are going to be talking about uh, Primer, the Shane Carruth film from, was it 2003? Um, I will find out here in a second. Now, usually I have all this stuff brought up ahead of time, but I forgot to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's I'll just all right. bring that up real quick. Uh, so this is your, this is both of our first time watching this one. Uh, neither of us had seen, uh, so it's 2004. Uh, and, uh, neither of us had seen this picture previously. Um, right. I, I had seen his subsequent film upstream color, which is the other one on the disc. Uh, oh yeah. We're, we're watching the, uh, recent arrow Blu-ray release, which is a, a two pack of primer and upstream color. Uh, and it's sort of a time travel film, but sort of also a relationship slash corporate drama in a weird sort of way. Uh, and it's is it? confusing. Uh, <laughs> it yeah, is. I, th I think so. Uh, like in, in terms of the, the corporate and relationship stuff, I, I have some thoughts on that. So I watched okay. the movie three times last week because, uh, it's hard to follow. <laughs> it's, it's not... Uh, it, it's not a, an easy, well, it's, it's kind of not a narrative even, right? No, no. I, when I, uh, when I finished the movie, I think what I said in our chat was, so most of the movie happens outside of the movie. Yeah. Kinda very, very much in that sort of vein where like most of the movie is all of these conversations about what they're talking about doing, but not what they're actually doing because none of them trust one another mm -hmm. which, which i don't know i, I didn't mean, pick that up until the end <laughs> yeah i mean that, that i mean that that's sort of why i ended up watching a few times because like okay uh, i need to look into this and kind of figure out what it is about and all of that it's it's sort I, of I a mumble core. more than one watch yeah, it's it's like a mumblecore sci-fi movie. Like, have you ever seen any mumblecore or familiar with the term? No, um, tell me about mumblecore. <laughs> so mumblecore is a fairly recent modern genre. Uh, it, it's sort of an indie genre and usually uh, young filmmakers. Uh, it, it's, it's very heavily associated with millennial filmmakers. Uh, and, and it's usually just... Like the title of Mumblecore suggests, they're very quiet. There's a lot of uh, low talking and not a lot of things taking place. Oh, yes, yes. The, um, we need to make sure the canoe boys don't steal Facebook from the Zuckerbergs. Uh, well, I, well I, wouldn't, no, not I wouldn't say social network is, is Mumblecore at all. I, I would no, say I don't think like it is, but I was thinking. Tiny Furniture uh, is one, is, is like a really big one. Uh, like the, you, you kind of know them when you see them. This is very much like a mumblecore if it's also a movie about time travel, sort of. Right. <laughs> so I, I guess it's it's hard to figure out where to start with this one because the plot doesn't play it out as a plot. Doesn't um, have a beginning, a middle, or an end. It's you just get right. thrown in in the middle of it. We we get thrown in right into the middle of a conversation, basically, where we have a bunch of overworked corporate drone dudes who are selling, 
I guess the there are these special chips, control chips. Uh, okay, yeah, right. Something or other. I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a software guy. Uh, Shane Carruth. It's a fancy computer thing. Yeah, Shane Carruth is someone who comes from a software development background. I think like he he was a flight sim developer guy, uh, and then he decided to go into film. And this kind of feels like it comes from someone with that perspective, or it definitely shows that perspective because it's really about, you know, corporate skullduggery and you have all these guys who don't trust each other and are working on this one project, but none of them trust each other enough to actually let the other ones in on what's happening. When, uh, when the movie first began, I thought it was taking place in like the, uh, the late 70s because working on computer stuff outside of their garage and the one guy had the 70s jacket and i was like <laughs> this, this seems like team steve jobs or whatever the old legend is right uh, and like them working out of the garage at the start is like so at the start they're all working on this device in a garage but they're all kind of just sitting around that house and they're you know, they're mailing out chips to people to fund their research. They're taking apart home appliances for parts for their time machine, I guess. Like yeah. taking parts out of their cars and their fridge. Yeah, yeah. Well, at first they don't even know it's a time machine that they're building. I don't even know what, like, it's, it's not clear I don't know what, what they're they, trying for. I think they're doing some sort of research into power sources, maybe? Like they seem be. to be very research oriented and they're trying to do something like they they seem to be heavily research oriented uh, and like they're all like engineering grads mm -hmm. and fairly young guys. Uh, uh, like I listened to some of Carruth's commentary track and he talks about how one of his main things about it is that all of these guys have no real background in morals or ethics <laughs> like none, none of them really know anything about ethics or anything like that they're just corporate guys they they just need to do this stuff and so you know they they can't trust one another because none of them have any ethical background and they know that none of their friends have any real ethical background either well that that part shows through that's for sure mm -hmm. and and like snowballing throughout the course of the film and Really, at the end, we, we see that like they've completely lost any trust for one another. Even the two core guys who seem like almost the same guy, uh, Abe and uh, Aaron, I think. Yeah, oh, Abe yeah, and Aaron. Yeah. Abe so and Aaron. Caruth is Aaron, and Abe is the other main guy. Because we've got like four or five guys at the start, but three of them are cut out of it pretty much right away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, it was a four-man operation, and then. The guy's like, the one guy's like, I don't want to tell these other two guys. We're not telling them. We're not telling them. Right. So, like, early on, we have them. It's not clear what it is they're developing. And they're like, they're, they're clearly like, huh, should we be wearing goggles? So, <laughs> like, it's, it's like, what are they doing? It, it's never really clear. I assume that what they're working on is something to do with time manipulation, uh, something or power sources or. Because initially what they realize the thing does is uh, they, they create this box and the box is putting out more power than they're supplying to it. Right, with the batteries. Yeah. And around this time as well, we get, or like pr just prior 
to the the realization that the the box is putting out more power than they're supplying to it we have some instances of really stuttered time like we we see abe you know caruth he he wakes up on the floor with he he does not look well and we we have another flash a little bit earlier where he's just pouring a whole bunch of pills into his hand and oh these missed are, that <laughs> so with, with those things i kind of feel like maybe we're all like right from the beginning we're already watching doubles watching this stuff unravel because like it, it feels like right from the beginning we're already involved in time travel shenanigans we just don't know about it until the rest of the story catches up and it is not even the story until the guys that we're watching catch up to the guys watching them there's a lot of there's a lot of watching <laughs> there's a lot of watching a lot of talking a lot of talking not a lot happens this is, i mean the movie looks like it could have been shot with five hundred dollars yeah it's very very indie filmmaking it was very very cheaply made i think it was just shot on uh digital video uh yeah, has a pretty pretty cool abstract piano score that, that I like very, very yeah, minimal. I the score i like the score a lot um, no special effects to speak of. No, none at all. None uh, at all. We're not really doing time travel. Uh, we're talking about the time travel that we're doing. Uh, and, yep. and it's very simple, like, loops that they're working with. Well, it starts out that way. Well, it seems to just constantly be loops. It's just we don't know the scope of the loops that they're all involved in. Yeah, I thought <laughs> we were just... I thought we were in the beginning and it's like, no, we're somewhere in the middle of this maybe infinite loop or maybe the next one's the end. We don't know. It definitely seems like a bunch of loops. But while this is a movie that's technically to do with a time travel device, I kind of think it's more specifically a tech industry version of the treasure of the Sierra Madre. Okay. A classic Humphrey Bogart movie. Uh, okay, well, you know the Simpsons episode with uh, the Radioactive Man number one, right? Okay, yeah, where they, they all pitched in to buy the comic book. Right, exactly. Uh, that is a parody of Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Oh, okay. So it's, it's a Humphrey Bogart movie where they find a bunch of gold in the Sierra Madre uh, mountains, and none of them trust each other, and they keep just backbiting, and they won't. Uh, learn to trust anyone and eventually just everyone ends up with nothing and it's a disaster <laughs> this kind of feels a lot like that to me this feels like the big tech innovation of it obviously is time travel so right you know instead of a pot of gold they've discovered accidentally a device that can speed up time you know they they realize how incredibly valuable this is but none of them are able to uh, get to the point where they can trust one another enough that they can actually use the value within it, right? Because mm-hmm. um, there's this there's this bit where they're trying to figure out what to do with it, and they're like, I don't know, trade stocks, and then they never really go. <laughs> well, beyond yeah, I that. mean, the trading stocks is kind of the the trading stocks is how they test it initially. So, like, first they realize that the box is putting out more than they're putting in, and mm-hmm. then one of them realizes that time goes faster inside the box than outside because he puts his watch in. Yeah. And then there's this, this description of like A and B 
be and oh boy <laughs> well like the specifics of it like uh, apparently it is fairly authentic in terms of the science but ultimately none of it really matters to our understanding of it like all of that stuff is sort of just background like if if you're really into the science of this stuff you can look into it and like yeah this is all uh more or less consistent and and seems reasonable but i i think more it's it's just the mechanics of they set up their time loops is where i'm really confused personally so how they tested initially they they first do this thing where they're where where they go to go to this library and they trade some stocks and you know use it to fund their research and yeah. then they seem to go back like yeah, are, are they able to go back yeah they that's go what back. i can't figure they, I, I guess it's by i don't know or changing the flow of power to it or something yeah um something about that how that part of it works that they can go back and forth yeah that, that's got something to do with the a and b because like um i think you could jump out at a certain point i just don't quite get how they do it right because they they go back by waiting unconscious in the box for six hours and then they've moved the box out of the garage so it's just the two guys uh who are involved with it now and it's just the two of them in call it one of those uh u-store uh, a u-haul storage container yeah uh, and it's like watch out there's leaks it's like there's leaks there's always leaks <laughs> like, oh are you sure this is safe leaks uh that's that that seems very very dangerous. They they are very very cautious at the start, or at least what we perceive as the start for these guys. Yeah, they're really careful about making sure they don't do any weird time loop stuff to damage the timeline or anything at first. At first, uh, they they hide out in a hotel. Uh, they turn off their phones, uh, but eventually they want to test undoing something in time yeah like they, they want just what happens with causality and when we next see them and we don't see what they decide to change exactly but we do see abe come back out of the box and his ears bleeding and it starts to seem like he's unraveling mm -hmm. so it's like the first appearance of something going wrong other than those early starter departs earlier where like we saw him waking up on a floor we saw him pouring a ton of pills into his hand like clearly there's been something going on with this character the whole time where he's unraveling yeah but it's not really it's... clear where it starts because it seems to be filtered through time both directions because <laughs> yeah. there's leaks right yeah yeah oh. oh my god that's what the leaks are oh jeez <laughs> maybe maybe well that's what it could be uh it's also when we have my absolute favorite line in the movie says, man are you hungry i haven't eaten since later this afternoon <laughs> right when they're, when, yeah so they have to be able to go back because later this afternoon is earlier for them so yeah they they, they right. can go back and it's Some weird that that's how. never clear. <laughs> and then they also have the conversation about cell phones and how their cell phones work when there are multiples of the same phone existing at the same time in the same area, right? Yeah, and what they 
decided on, although they didn't seem to actually know, is that the, the signal will just go out and just hit whichever phone it hits first. Right, which... It doesn't sound right, but sense, they're not but confident either. Yeah, I, I kind of like that bit, that they're both just like, is that how this works? And like, I don't know, I'm not a cell phone engineer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, which was pretty interesting, because ultimately they're hiding out in the hotel, and one of them gets a phone call from... Uh, like, I, I think it's Abe gets a phone call from his wife. Right. And... It's like, well, I don't know, should I answer it? And it's like, if, if I answer it, does it affect like the, the other things? It's like, oh, well, I mean, I'll be there for dinner late or something. And it, it's, it's a very strange concept that theoretically uh, the phone could ring and like any number of different iterations of this guy could answer it. Because we, we learn shortly that there might be, like, a lot of different versions of them running around. Yeah. And not only that, there's one other guy that they didn't let in on it, but apparently they did let in on it, but neither of them knows why or how or... Yeah, yeah, their conversation is like, so you would never tell him under any circumstances. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe there is an emergency. Oh, so you would tell him in an emergency? I don't know. Like, oh, I don't know if there was emergency, maybe. And like, what would the, what, what kind of emergency? And like, I don't know. Uh, ultimately, we don't know. The, the yeah, audience. We have no uh, idea how this guy got involved. Because they don't. And if they don't, we don't. Because we only really get things through their perspective, which is interesting, but it does make it very complicated. So it's this other guy, Granger, and they, decided this is when they've like decided like okay let's test causality and we're going to change things by sleeping in and not getting in the box right right and then they're driving to the storage facility and they notice they're being followed by this other guy uh granger who yeah is, yeah is there at the start and we didn't really see much of him i didn't get much of an impression of the dude uh, but they seem to distrust him specifically. Like they, they uh -huh. particularly, both of them don't really have a lot of trust for the guy. So yeah. my understanding, this is a really weird scene where they, they phone the other version of him at his house landline, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Um, like they, they phone someone and the guy is there and they talk to him and they're like, okay, uh, that's cool. And they hang up and they get out of the car and go confront the version of him that's following them. And we don't see what happens, but then we see him either unconscious or dead on the ground. Yeah, right? yeah, it skips right to him on the ground. Basically. Uh, and then we're like, what's going on? What happened? I don't know. <laughs> uh, and they don't know what's happening anymore. They don't know what he changed. They don't know what they've changed. They don't know which one of them would have ever let him in on it. So they can't trust each other anymore or themselves. Because mm -hmm, it might have been one of their doubles that did it. Well, I mean, it was right. definitely one of their doubles. Well, it, probably. It, it was. It would have to All have right. been. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's not even clear where this project begins in terms of these other guys being blocked out of it because they see we, we do have a couple scenes later on where they go back to the house and the garage and they do st still seem to be doing stuff there it's just 
that ceased to be the focus of their own uh, main work. Like they're, they're mm-hmm. just, it's, it's much less important to them now because they've got this whole uh, great big time travel sideline that they're busy with. Their time travel side hustle. Yeah, the, the time travel <laughs> side hustle. Abe discovers that Aaron, he has a three second feed from the future in his earpiece. Like as a double, he's gone through and recorded everything with a tape recorder. And then when he's living, he's got like a three second delay ahead of time to what everyone's going to say and do. Yeah, we it, and it takes a long time before we realize that because the narrator that we've been hearing the whole time, which we haven't really talked about, is one of his doubles of the person who made this tape. Yeah, and it, it takes a really long time for that to get figured out, but we see him with the earpiece the whole movie, like right pretty much every scene. Yeah. So in theory, he's been a double the entire time and that's why we're seeing all of these leaks that's why we're seeing the little flashes of other versions of him or other things happening that aren't in continuity with the rest of the things that we're seeing yeah because we we see this one we see a couple of scenes where he's listening to it but it doesn't play out the way the recording says Um, but that's not until towards the end well, yeah, and that, that's pretty much right here, right before well, they oh, reveal yeah, right. the earpiece. Because right. he, he's running, movie. it's very short, it's, it's only 77 minutes. So, like, it, it's very impressive how much happens, and not, not even how much happens, how much information is communicated. Because, like, like I said, I watched it three times, and there's too much for me to unravel to figure out <laughs> what happened. Uh, as well as not enough. Um, yeah, because we don't even know what the deal is with this shotgun guy apparently the whole point of all these loops is to try to prevent this might be to prevent this one guy with a shotgun from killing people at a party maybe yeah, there i mean i kind of feel like maybe that's a potential like that that's sort of the potential emergency that they're talking about but that seems to be specific to this granger guy that they don't trust him and that he is specifically maybe dangerous or violent in some way. Uh-huh. But what's interesting as well is they seem to be degrading copies of themselves. Like yes. they're not working they as can't... well as they were. Yeah. Like the one guy says, how come I can't write anymore? Yeah, well, they, they can't recognize letters anymore, which is interesting. Like the, as they've become copied and copied, language has slowly been lost and the written language just disappeared from like they're no longer able to understand how it looks they can't write it and they can't read it yeah that's right and that's really weird like so there's it it reminded me a bit of a couple things so there's the gravity falls episode with the copy (laughs) i was just thinking paper jam dipper right and it's it's very much like that you know there's They've been creating all of these copies of themselves to enact this very complicated plan that each of them has that neither of them is willing to work with the other one on. <laughs> and, and they've just built a, all of these failsafes and ultimately the failsafes are not working and they've kind of 
trapped themselves into this hell. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I, yeah, that's definitely a way to look at it. I, never, I, I still need to watch this a few more times, but <laughs> yeah, I can see that because they, they can't not keep doing this loop or it'll screw everything up. Maybe. Yeah, and then they they keep inserting more doubles into the loop, seemingly to yeah. fix other things or to watch other things to make sure that things work. And then obviously something has gone wrong somewhere, and Granger has been included, which is probably an emergency. And who knows what happened there? So <laughs> they, they they had to send more guys back. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> who knows how many? Yeah. Uh, also, yeah, we me... find out it's only a loop of one day. Right. This is all just this one day that we're seeing over and over again, but we don't really get that until right at the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and like, they have their doubles, they, they have all these doubles who have created parallel lives, like literally parallel. Their whole purpose is just to watch the other one live. Uh, until finally the, uh, like Aaron just like, man, screw this. I'm, I'm leaving the country. I can't live this life anymore. And it's kind of yeah, they... bugs out. <laughs> yeah. They're in the airport. I was right. Like, Look, just don't come near my family again or whatever. Yeah. Like they've totally fallen out. Like they were mm-hmm. almost the same guy. They were best friends and just this business has completely destroyed that. Uh, oh it's... Yeah. It's interesting. Like it's, it, it does definitely feel ultimately to be much more about greed and envy and corporate competition than it does time travel. Cause the time travel element is a mechanic that we're never really let understood. Like we, we never really get what's happening. No, but, no, we do not. But all the corporate competition stuff, we get a lot about that. And we get a lot about the relationships. We get a lot about how they're, battling each other and why they don't trust each other and how they're not able to trust anyone. Mm-hmm. So that, that ultimately seems like the more important thread than the time travel. So yeah, like, I don't know. I, I, it's, yeah. it's really hard. <laughs> it's, it's hard to put into words exactly how it all fits together, but, uh, and, and I guess it, to anyone out there listening, this is fun to unravel in a weird sort of way, but it is also very, very quiet and uh, so, like, it requires a certain mood. Yes, it does. Um, you need to be ready to be absorbed in this in this movie, and you need to be paying attention. You need to be paying a lot of attention because it's very, very subtle. Like a- anything that's that drives the plot is something that happens in dialogue and like hidden in dialogue. Yep, yep. Like you won't see it you you have to hear it yeah uh, if you're just looking on the surface like on mute this is just two guys and sue's talking to each other in different places yeah pretty much the whole time just two guys <laughs> nothing in, in, else besides that just in, in in cheap work shirts in button-up white collar shirts and just having all of these conversations about science uh which yeah. relate to whatever it is they're doing but you kind of have to really look for those parts. It's a very unusual film. Yes. Um, I feel like I understood it less having watched it than I did before I saw it. <laughs> I, very, I think very fun though. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I like it. It's not great. I think 
Carruth is pretty flat as an actor. And I, I guess that sort of fits in terms of him being a duplicate of a duplicate of a duplicate, but it, it does make this, it, you know, there, there's not a lot of energy to this movie. It's, it's very, very low energy, very quiet. Like, like I said, it's mumblecore. Mm-hmm. Uh, any additional thoughts on primer? Any, any further stuff we want to go into with that or? Um, I was, well, I was thinking about how I could compare it to the Homestuck, which over explains everything. And then at the end, you know exactly what happened. I don't know what I like better. Homestuck hmm. takes a lot longer to get through and I don't act. I enjoyed it, but I don't recommend it for anyone who's not actively interested in it already. I've never finished it. Uh, eventually I will, but you know, one of these days. I, I keep losing my spot in it and needing to start again, which is yeah, that, that'll happen. Very you... frustrating. When I when I change computers, I changed computers in January and I, I lost my spot and I got to start again or find the spot I was again, and that's such a pain. Yep, yep. Because um, that one that has really complicated time travel mechanics, but those get, end up getting so over-explained that. There's no mystery left by the end. Whereas this is all still still trying to figure it out. They were definitely starting to be very fully explained by the time I stopped reading it new. But that's a while ago, so I don't know. Uh, Homestuck so, ended like seven years ago. Yeah, I know. Oh and, my god. And I was reading it in real time for most of the run, but then maybe the last two years I didn't and I don't know where I'm with him. Uh, oh, I keep getting a big pages. I keep getting like a big scratching noise on your end. Oh that could be hmm. it's not right now, but like uh, just before I said it there's like something maybe like scraping across your mic or something. Oh that's possible. Um I'm using a headset mic so or oh, okay. head, like an earbud microphone. Okay. Uh, yeah, just to watch everyone, because uh, occasionally I get big over things you're saying. Okay. Um, shoot, I lost what I was saying. Something. Oh, we were we were just talking about Homestuck and how it ended seven years ago. Oh my God! Yes, that's what it was. Seven years ago. Like I, I started reading it when it originally launched because uh, I was a fan of MS Paint Adventures, uh, and or Problem Sleuth specifically, and. Like I had Bob read that was fun. Yeah. And, and I read that in real time, like from about halfway th when it started, uh, like I, I caught it like halfway through all the way to the end and then was really excited about Homestuck and read it every day for a while. And then I changed computers and lost my save spot. And then I never got back. <laughs> Very frustrating. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so primer, uh, pretty good movie. I, I liked it. I would more or less recommend it if you're into really thinky sci-fi. Stuff that's more of a puzzle box than uh, sci-fi entertainment. Yeah. Actually, that's a good way to describe it. It's more like you're watching this movie to solve a puzzle, not to have a story told to you. Right. There's very much not a story, or at least the story is not what the movie's about. Yeah. Uh, so Primer, we have a choice here because this was a two-film set. Uh, our next film in the stack will either be 
Upstream Color, uh, which is the second yeah, film in the second set feature, there, uh, which I have seen before and is pretty cool. Uh, it's similar in style to Primer. Uh, I would say it's quite a bit like that, except instead of time travel, it's about uh, Lovecraftian alien horror that's infinite through time and is like a collective mind and infects people. Cool. Pretty cool. I really liked it. Uh, and I had seen that one a couple years ago, so that's why I picked up this set, because I've been meaning to see Primer forever. Uh, and the other option is Toby Hooper, uh, who made Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, his remake of Invaders from Mars from the 80s. So, like, his remake of the classic 50s uh, alien Martian takeover sci-fi movie. Uh, supposed to be really great. I think I've seen it, but not since I was a kid. Okay. And I recall it being pretty solid. Uh, so what do you figure? Uh, should Upstream Color be added or Invaders from Mars? Well, Which... let's do Upstream Color. All right. Because I'm interested to see what else uh, this director has done. Uh, and, this is his uh, only other film. Oh, well then. There we go. It's the only one. And he's retired. <laughs> oh. So the, that, that's, the, that's the filmography. Uh Okay, I'll add that one to the list. Uh, and I guess now uh, move on to our second feature. Yeah? Yeah. All right, so I, I think we have very different opinions on this one. He knows Empty Pockets. Uh, would you like to begin? Because I, yeah, I watched so, this like a week and a half ago. <laughs> uh, fair enough. So Bloody Nose Empty Pockets is um, it's a documentary it's not a documentary. Uh, I guess it's a, it's it's like a, a docudrama. So it's it's fiction, but it's played in the style of documentary. Oh, this was fiction. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's kind of key. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. These these are not real people. They're they are fictional characters, I believe. I seriously uh, thought the whole thing was just going around with a camera following real drunks at a real bar that was having its real last day. Oh, no, I'm, I'm fairly certain that it is docudrama. It's, it's, a, it's styled like a documentary, but not actually a documentary. Okay. So, um, what it is, whether it's fiction or not, is um, basically this bar on the, I think, what is it, the Las Vegas Strip? Yeah, or like just off the strip, I think. Yeah, is for whatever reason they're closing down. It's their last day. They're having like a party and it's just cameras following the life of these people. Or not the life, just following these people as they're at the bar. And you kind of get like just this window into what their lives are like. Mm -hmm. But you also get a lot of just pointless drunk talk. It, it feels very real. That's why when you told me it was fiction it, i was like it does feel extremely really authentic it. yeah, yeah. It, it is very authentic especially the place uh the the bar itself has a real authentic atmosphere mm -hmm. uh, so it, it is entirely possible that it's a real bar uh i i'm not really clear on the background of the movie uh in terms of that but i yeah i'm what i've heard it is fictional uh these directors have done uh documentary films as well but i think this one was like a crossover from their documentary filmmaking into fiction that's my understanding anyways 
Okay. Uh, but yeah, they're like much like Primer. Uh, again, we don't have much of a plot. There's really not a story. It's just people spending their day at this bar as it's clothe- closing and just all of the various things happening at the bar, all of the various people sort of saying goodbye to the community that they knew at this bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sort of centrally focusing on this one guy who wakes up there from the night before. Yeah, I kind of got the impression he sort of halfway lives at the bar. He definitely seems to, because like he's been sleeping on the couch there. He has like a couple bags that he takes with him when he leaves. Yeah. And at the beginning, uh, the bartender's like, well, they're discussing, like, where is he going to go after this? That is a very good question. Right. The, the, first, the first bartender guy. I like that guy. He's fun. He Dude looks who... like one of my coworkers, actually. <laughs> he looks so much like him. Did your coworker uh, play guitar? I don't know. Play a bunch of acoustic guitar to a bunch of drunks? <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. It, like you say, it's super authentic. You see a lot of different, different points of view. Like they are, they they do get into some weird arguments. We have a couple people who are veterans there. We have a guy who, like the, the main guy, I think he's a professor or like a former English professor or something like that. Sorry, maybe, are we talking like the main, like the old guy? Yeah, the old dude. Like he seems to more or less be the main character. Um. Yeah, if there is a main character, it's him. Yeah, I mean, like, sort of the bar as a whole, but he definitely has, he, he's sort of the main focus of a lot of scenes. We're, we're really mm-hmm. following closely to him much of the time. And, like, it's him we follow out of the bar at the end, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, personally, for me, like, w- what I really liked about it is, like, I, you know, we're, we're near, near the tail end of this god-awful pandemic. Uh, and oh, please let us be near the tail end of this god awful <laughs> pandemic. Please let that be true. My, yeah, I mean, like my my parents now have their their second vaccinations uh, booked, so we're we're getting pretty close. I feel because I got my first vaccination a couple weeks after them, so you know we're, okay, we're kind of getting not... to the right area of time. All right, but part of it is just like I I miss people. I miss conversation i miss hanging out and this is totally a movie that's just like people hanging out in a beloved comfortable welcoming place where everybody knows each other they're all at least sort of friends they all know a bit about each other and know their backgrounds and there's just like a warmth to it that i i found very moving because i i've been such a long time since i've been among the company of others Hmm, okay. Okay, I get that. That part of it really, really affected me. I, I found that really uh, effective. Because like, the, the movie is really great at showing the authenticity and warmth of community. Um, I agree with that. My, <laughs> my problem... Um, is that nothing happens? <laughs> well... It's not just that, because debatably nothing happens in Primer. Uh, you, could, you could make that argument. I don't agree with it, but you could make the argument. Um, that's nothing not happens that, that we see The issue direct. I have is it felt too much like a real party. And 
for me, mm. being an extreme introvert, real parties just drain the life force out of me. And after about like 20 minutes, I got to go. And this felt so much like a real party that I just was like, I want to go home. I want to go home. I'm in my house. These people are great. I love them, but I want to go home. Mm. I am home. And, and it just felt like, it also felt so much like work because a lot of the, the patrons of this bar, I, I swear to God, these are people who show up at my work. And I, I know like about half of these people. Or like, like uh, almost exactly the same. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, um, well, I don't, I don't want to go into specifics because these are going to be real people we're real talking people. about. So let's not do that. Yeah. But yeah. And it was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm just at work, but all the customers there are there instead of just a few at a time. And it's loud. And that's probably a part of it is that you have service industry work currently. I'm pretty far off of service industry. Like I haven't worked in the service industry in like a decade. I, uh, and I work from home. Mm -hmm. So I don't really have to deal with that stuff. Um, I, I don't really have to deal with annoying, drunk, crazy people on the regular anymore. Uh, and I don't miss that. I don't miss it at all. But I, I don't know. I don't have like that sort of customer facing issue anymore. Like I don't, I never have to deal with customers anymore. So I don't have the enmity toward customers that I used to have. <laughs> well, there were, there was one thing. Like actually. everyone knows those bad customers. Oh yeah. Everyone knows the, the horrible customers that everybody has to deal with. We we've all had to deal with them. If we've ever had any kind of service industry and I'll always hate those sort of people. And, and, and we see some of those in this movie too. We do see a bit of that. Not yeah. much, but it, it's there. Yeah, there, there are some people being impossible. Like, there are a couple people who do have to be taken out of the bar. Uh, there's that one guy who is incredibly hammered and pretty much passed out drunk at the bar for a section of time. And then they get a phone call and he's supposed to be at work right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, you got to go to work. <laughs> and the guy is trashed like oh he, he is, is he's not, so he ain't working no he's like i i cannot believe i'm telling you this you are supposed to be at work right now dude <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty great yeah um but to me i just was like oh my god this feels i feel for that poor bartender having to deal with this situation with this guy who so one thing that really stood out, uh, for me anyways, was this line that the old, the quote-unquote main character says to this other guy. Because this other guy's right. like, oh man, I really love it here, you guys are family. And the old guy's like, I'm not your family, I'm a guy you hang out with at a bar. And I've actually had mm -hmm. customers say that to me, it's like, come on man, we're friends, and I just want to say to them, I'm not your friend, you're a customer at my workplace. But I, again, like that's, uh, I'm putting a lot of my personal bias into this, I I probably realize. Um, yeah, I suppose so. Like for me, I, I, I just found it to be very much an interesting look at this tiny community at the end of it. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's an, it's a community that is ending right there. We, we have the final fireworks display. Everyone, uh, we, we, we have the second bartender and her stupid teenager is hanging out and stealing drinks and stealing <laughs> weed freaking and, high and, yeah 
And, and like you just see all of these people having little grace moments. You see little bits of their day and you see them just sort of saying goodbye to a big part of their life. Like some of them are, you know, losing their jobs. Some of them are losing their primary center of community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know. I, I found it very strangely moving. I, I got that. Um <laughs> <laughs> but there, yeah, there, there's not I, I do like, there's, there's not a lot more to it. Like it's it's totally an atmosphere movie, and sort of one yeah, way either it's you're going. That I can't get into. Yeah, I either you can vibe with the atmosphere, or you can't. Uh, but if like I, I would totally say that if it's someone if you're someone who can get into that sort of atmosphere, then I so highly recommend this movie. Uh, so I don't know, uh, any further thoughts on that one? Cause like, there's, there's not a whole lot to say in terms of story. Uh, we, we have just the general movement of the bar. Eventually it closes down and they, yeah. And you know, the, 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 the guy leaves and kind of parallel to the thing you were saying there, someone asks him like, uh, are, are you okay to drive home? And he's like angrily and he's like, you don't know anything about me, do you? And he just stalks off and that's the end. Yeah, it, like it, it's kind of a it, it's kind of a bit of a slap for the the very final thing because it's it's very warm up until that point. Yeah, actually, that kind of was just like, wow. After all that, we've been following this guy for the whole time, and we don't know jack about him. Yeah, none of these other guys are going to know jack about him either. Yeah, although there are a couple people he seems to have sort of a, an ongoing relationship with there's that one prostitute who comes in uh mm-hmm. the the one the who he's he clearly has like a history with uh and you know he has not seen her in quite a while so like changed numbers uh like she's into celebrate too and like has been a regular and has sort of like drifted out of it uh and and then there's this other guy who this one drunk musician was that the was that the jerk guy or the uh the younger guy who's there almost to the end who's hanging out with him and he's like oh you, oh, you really have the hat and the beard yeah and he's the like he, oh no no that's that's the Australian guy right the guy who took acid um <laughs> there, there's the Australian oh, guy oh. who's at the bar the whole time John who took acid and then he can't handle it but he can't move so he's just stuck hallucinating at the bar oh and there there's this one guy I just remembered. He kind of reminds me of Dan from Game Grumps, but mixed with Denny from The Room, so I call him Denny Avidan. <laughs> I think that's the guy I'm thinking of. Okay. Where, yeah, okay. He's like a musician or something, and he like takes off. He, he goes and gets drugs, and he comes back, and he's the one who was like, giving... I think he's the one who gave the weed to the bartender's, do- uh, bartender's son. Right, right, yes. Uh, and like at the end, the guy, or not at the end, but like in the early hours period where it's like the very middle of the night and there are people left and uh, the semi-main character guy goes and sleeps on a couch. This dude comes and like sleeps on top of him and like they, they sort of have a whole conversation about how he, the, the younger guy, needs to stop being in this bar and needs to stop being in any bar because it's going to ruin him and he will not be capable as an artist. And I, I feel like he sort of reviews this younger guy or himself almost as the mentor of this guy or something like that. I did kind of get that, uh, that impression of that relationship with those two, mm-hmm. that they, they have known each other for a while. 
it, it wasn't just some stranger going up and like lying down on top of this guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it, there, again, it's one of these things where a lot of it's the conversation. You don't really get told anything about any of these people or what their lives are like. You just kind of infer it through details in the conversations they have. Because like there's still like four or five people who we haven't mentioned at all, or like maybe a dozen. Yeah, there, there's a lot of people, a lot of characters to keep track of. There, there's a lot of detail in the movie. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I don't really have a whole lot else to say about because it it's almost two weeks since I watched it, so I don't remember everything very clearly. I've watched like seven other movies since then. Oh dear, I <laughs> did watch it, but I just couldn't. I couldn't really follow it because I couldn't just I couldn't vibe with the atmosphere. Right, I, I understand so I, that. I followed bits of it, but I couldn't. I couldn't keep track of everything. Right, I just kind of like was like, okay, I'll focus on this one character. Maybe he is that character. Pretty much the main character. I oh, actually one other thing that I want to mention is the snippets of bar TV. Like once in a while, they'll just like everyone will be watching TV and we'll we'll see a bit of the TV they're watching. And interestingly, like this movie is set the day before the 2016 election in the u.s oh right yeah uh and and they there are a few little mentions of it but it's never central to the plot uh Mm -hmm. but you get all of these little bits of tv that sort of foreshadow it uh and one of them that i thought was really interesting was uh they they had a clip from jeopardy and they're all watching jeopardy and it's the first question about Native Americans. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, what is the largest Native American group in the U.S.? Nobody even tries. The first yeah. question category. Just Every silence. other category has been completely guessed. And it's just everyone times out. And it's like, you don't know the, mo- the largest one. Okay. <laughs> that was great. Uh, <laughs> very <laughs> Very well that was done. very that was a good moment that was pretty funny um so yeah uh personally it's totally a recommend from me if you dig that sort of atmosphere uh so in terms of other stuff i've watched uh this week i didn't delve into a lot of stack uh in fact i only pulled from one stack okay but, uh it's because last 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 week, the day we recorded, I got a new, I got the halfway to Black Friday shipment from Vinegar Syndrome, a yearly subscriber. Uh, and I've just been watching a ton of stuff from that. Uh, so the things I've watched from that stack are, uh, first, Surf 2, which is a, a movie where Eddie Deason works for a soft drink company and is making a soft drink called Buzz Cola. Uh, it's which is Buzz Cola in the movies. It's got to be Buzz. It's, that's just the right way for the for the eighties. Uh, and he's it, it's a cola that's made out of oil refinery runoff. He he has this this vendetta against surfers for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're kidnapping surfers and making them drink this stuff, which turns them into surf zombies. Uh, who eat garbage and motor oil and so forth. Sorry, uh, I didn't catch that. What did they eat? Garbage and motor oil and whatever. You know, anything. Sea life, 
plankton, whatever's on the ground. Okay. <laughs> Lots of garbage, metal. Uh, it's a very weird movie. It's a comedy and very bizarre. Like, it's, it's a really strange movie. It's, it's very meta. Uh, so it's called Surf 2. There is no Surf 1. Uh, its tagline was the end of the... Tr- uh, obviously, there's also no 3. <laughs> of course. Uh, and, you know, it's just about surf, like a surfing competition in this cola, which is put on. Like, I, I think the soda company is promoting the surfing competition to sell their soft drinks. Uh, it never makes a ton of sense. Like, it's a very silly comedy. Like, you remember Wacko? I loved Wacko. I love Wacko so much. It's it's kind of in the style of Wacko, but not quite as consistent, I would say. <laughs> uh, and and it, for, for people who have seen Wacko, that uh, might be really damning with faint praise, because Wacko is not a popular film, but I know both of us kind of love that one. <laughs> uh, it, it's got a feel kind of like that. Okay, all right. Uh, next one in the stack that I watched from there, Knife Plus Heart. Which Knife is a, Plus Heart. It is a Jan Gonzalez film. Uh, okay. And so remember that movie Delirium I talked about last week, or maybe it was the week before, about someone, it, it's like a giallo where uh, someone is murdering fashion model, or a nude model for this uh, erotic magazine. And sending them to sending pictures of the murder to the person who runs the magazine. Uh, it's set in 1979, and it's about this lady who owns a gay porn magazine, and someone is murdering her models. Uh, and it's like a it's it's very high style, like a giallo, and it is kind of giallo style, but it's much more modern and neon. Uh, lots of electronic music. Uh, super high style. I really dug it. Okay. Uh, next I watched Six String Samurai. I'm looking at the, uh, the cover art for that. Six String Samurai? <laughs> yeah, super cool. Um, it just it looks like a guy... Anyway, sorry, I'm interrupted. You go ahead. No, no, please. Uh, <laughs> th- this should be a conversation. All uh, right. So, yeah, he looks like just this... Oh, he's got a katana and a sword... And it looks like there's these other band members. They all have swords, I think. Um, so Six String Samurai is an, an alternate future type movie, or alternate history movie, where uh, in 1957, in this version of history, Russia bombs the United States and American culture ends. Right. So this movie is set in the 90s, where... The only thing left of American culture is rockabilly samurais who uh, wander the wastelands of a nuclear America. Uh, and Death himself is just like wandering through the land with his backing band full of top-hatted heavy metal guys. And so our main guy, you know, he's our six-string samurai. He's, yeah. he, he picks up this kid and the two of them are just kind of like wandering the wasteland and he's on his way to Las Vegas, which or lost Vegas, which is the last <laughs> American city where Elvis has been the king, like oh. the king of America since the fifties, oh. but he's recently died. So our samurai is heading to Vegas to take his place. Oh, this sounds fun. 
it's pretty fun. Uh, it's it's a good time. Uh, if you dig rockabilly music, there's a pretty fun modern rockabilly score. You have a lot of themed post-apocalyptic gangs like the Warriors. Like you have a group of uh, guys in bowling outfits uh, who who he fights. It's a pretty good time. <laughs> nice. It's it's very much a '90s alternative movie. Like the the influence of like uh, Robert Rodriguez, especially like this is so heavily influenced by Mariachi. Okay, that's what I was thinking of because that cover just I don't know something about it stood out to me, and I think it just reminds me of that. Okay, let's see. Next, uh, I watched. This is one that was not in any stack yet because I just got it in the mail and watched it immediately because I had watched the another film by the director recently uh the day of the beast by alex della de iglesia uh this is a mexican movie about this rogue theologian or priest who has like cracked this bible code and he's well, like the opening scene is really great there he's in a church it's like all right i've cracked the code and it's time to sin like our lives depend on it because they do <laughs> and then what? immediately like they're praying in front of a giant cross and immediately the cross falls over and squashes him <laughs> uh so it's this movie he's he's figured out the antichrist is going to be born on this specific day and he knows basically where or he knows that it's going to be in i think mexico city or something and uh, he gets a hold of a, a record store clerk, a, a death metal record store clerk, and a cheesy TV psychic, and the three of them get together and like, okay, we're going to find the Antichrist and stop him from being born and the world from ending. Uh, and in the meanwhile, there's this crazy right-wing group torturing homeless people all over the place that they're also kind of, that's going on in the background and sort of oh, uh, collides with... Yeah, basically. Uh, but but in Mexico, uh, and and <laughs> oh, they're right. they're uh, burning homeless people and kind of like writing, you know, slogans on walls and stuff, and that that sort of a thing happening in the background that gradually comes to collide with the main story. Uh, really good. Like th this is a very strong group of movies. Yeah, they look interesting. They all do. Yeah. Uh, so next one I watched from that one stack, uh, Runaway Nightmare the other night when I watched it, like it was a few days ago, it's, man, what even to say about Runaway Night? Incredible. Uh, this one is, like, immediately it establishes that we'll never have any opening in terms of how things relate in space or time. Okay. Uh, and and the, the main guy, he comes from JFK School of Acting. Uh, you, you gotta throw a lot of ers and ums in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... There's these two dudes who are worm farmers in Death Valley, and they see a box being buried by these guys in a van, and they go and dig up the box. Uh, but she's she was buried alive, but she's still alive. And then they take her back to their worm ranch, and then a whole bunch of armed ladies show up, and they're the rest of the cult that she's part of and they kidnap them and force them to join their cult uh and it sort of feels like a nightmare like the whole movie feels like when you're describing a nightmare to someone okay all right because like 
he's like, uh, and, and we see this box and we uh, open it up and there's this lady so we take it back, but then a bunch of people with guns show up and it turns out they're her friends and, uh, but she's okay and she's gone and they don't know where she went and we end up being taken by them and then they're going to vote whether, they're, they're voting whether or not, uh, either sacrificed or become members of the cult and we don't want to become members of the say we have and then, you know, we're sitting on the couch with the cult ladies and we're, one of them says, well, I'm a witch, and I want to mix my blood with you. And wasn't really into that, so she destroyed the TV. And <laughs> it's, it's like this whole, just this endless series of just completely bizarre things happening. It's not quite coherent, and it sort of comes together as a story at the end. I was almost surprised that it became a story. It, it sounds like just a lot of dream logic. It's very, very dream logic Uh And I loved it. Like, it's just... So much fun to watch because I never had any idea where any of it was going. Uh, they're <laughs> trying to battle like, this. This lady cult is trying to battle the mob into platinum from them that they were going to deal or sell, but it's not actually platinum. It's something else. <laughs> anyway, it's great. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a trip. Uh, and last one from that stack that I watched, uh, the first Scanner Cop movie, uh, which is a sequel to Scanners. Have you ever seen Scanners? No, um, I wasn't there for that movie night that you guys did it. Okay, so it's a Cronenberg movie, Canadian uh, body horror about psychics, people who have psychic powers and they can make people's heads blow up. Um, not really necessary to see Scanners to see Scanner Cop. It's the same concept, but not continuing the story. It's about a cop who is a scanner, obviously. Oh, so this cop can blow people's heads up. He can blow people's heads up, or he can read minds, can uh, look into... Uh, he, he can get impressions from things. He can use telekinesis to, like, knock people over. <laughs> uh, at the beginning, he's a small child, and his father is a rogue scanner who has lost his mind, and he's killing a cop and the kid who also has some latent scanner abilities stops the dad from killing the cop and then the cop adopts the kid and the kid grows up to join the police and the the main plot line richard lynch i don't know if you'd be familiar with him he's a he's a really great villainous actor almost always played villains uh he was the main bad guy in chuck norris's invasion Okay. Uh, I don't. I don't know what. What I can't think of anything off the top of my head. But you'd probably recognize him. Uh, he's the main villain in it, and this guy who has been kidnapping just various random civilians and using like sort of MK Ultra type experiments uh, with hallucinogens to make them see anyone in a police uniform or anyone with a badge as a monster that they have to kill. <laughs> the scanner caught again really good time i i had a, fun. I had a great time it's a very fun. so finally uh this is currently at the top of that stack now is scanner cop 2 uh which i've never seen okay uh and one other thing i watched uh i and this is a new stack because i picked up the motion picture collection for star trek and i watched star trek the motion picture the very first one i love that movie it's not very popular uh you know, very commonly called the motionless picture. Not a lot happens. It's it's yeah, kind of like our. <laughs> it's kind of like our movies tonight. 
very much like our features tonight. And, uh, yep. you know, again, it, the, I, I really kind of atmosphere. Uh, this is a very sick movie. Uh, I was not going to smoke yesterday. And then I was like an hour into this movie and it got to the part where they're going through the wormhole and all of the light starts to stutter across them and it looks psychedelic. It's like, I'm going to pause this and kind of smoke some weed. <laughs> uh, and I had a really great time. It's, it's such a beautiful looking movie. The effects are amazing. Um, all, all the, the set design. And it's also the one that the TNG music comes from. Oh, uh, I didn't the, know that. The main theme from Next Generation is, was actually originally written for the motion picture. Oh, okay. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I love it. Great movie. I, last time I saw the original Star Trek was probably about 20 years ago. Well, I, remember, probably, I remember please. the end, like what the... Uh, V'ger. What the, I guess, villain, quote-unquote, or the antagonist, what it ended up being. Right. Yeah, for me, and like, I thought I, that was cool. Me too. I, I saw it when I was really young and it was sort of fundamental to me for sci-fi. Like I wasn't a sci-fi kid. I wasn't really into tr Star Wars or Star Trek, but I saw that and I watched all of the Trek films when I was pretty young. And that really stuck with me. The, the whole ending with the, the V'ger thing. And certainly now I appreciate it so much more just because of all of the set design and color and just how incredibly slow it is. Like I like slow sci-fi. <laughs> uh, so that obviously is replaced by Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Which I haven't seen, believe it or not. Seen, that's unreal. Uh, yeah, I never yeah. seen... Let's see, I've seen Star Trek One. I. I think I saw the one where they find God, and I saw a couple five. of the new ones. Uh, five is the one where they find God, I think. The Final Frontier. Uh, and it's very bad. My recollection is that that one's very, very bad. Uh, oh, yeah. And also, I started watching animated movies, which is really fun. Uh, it's, it's a TVMA one. Uh, there's a lot of swearing, like a ton I, of swearing. I'm sorry. I didn't catch what. Did you start watching? Uh, the Harley Quinn animated series. The yes, right. Uh, oh, I picked up... is this the one that had that uh, recent um, the Catwoman thing? Yes. Yeah. Yes. This is, so this is the same show. one. Uh, and yeah, I can totally see how that comes up in it. Uh, it's really fun. It's a, it's a very different look at the character and just all of the characters. I really like Bane in it. Bane is like this guy with social anxiety, basically. Oh, really? That's so, like, different. So the, they, it was like, oh, you know, uh, all of the villain events are very important to the history of them. You know, uh, the, the, the bombing of... Uh, Gotham Stadium was because of a trivia night and it cuts to like Bane getting a trivia question wrong it's like, I'm going to blow up that stadium <laughs> um, uh, Poison Ivy is basically Daria oh I love it okay I'm already sold uh, it's a lot of fun we, uh, the second episode mostly takes place at a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah for Penguin's son uh, yeah, it's, it's a great time. I really like it. Really great voice cast. Uh, I've only watched the first couple episodes, but I've been digging it. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, that sounds... Uh, the last Batman cartoon I saw was the, the excellent 90s one. Me too. I have not really... Well, I've seen maybe... A, I saw a couple episodes of The Brave and the Bold, which was also pretty good. 
But, I haven't uh, seen any not of a lot. that one. Uh, so I guess we're we're at the point where we're going to decide uh, what uh, our movies are for next week. All right. Uh, so what do you figure for the main film? For the main film. So this is, uh, I swear I'll understand the process of this eventually, <laughs> but the main film is what's in the stacks list, right? Correct. Or, or that's what I'm choosing from? Yeah. All right. So, and I have got the the list all updated now. I added uh, upstream color to it. Ah, uh, cool, cool. Now I have. Now I don't know anything about this movie, but I just saw the art for Memories of Murder, and I saw it. Somebody scrolling when I was scrolling through my Twitter feed, I saw that box art come up, and someone was in a thread of like essential Asian or or Korea. I'm actually not even sure. Whatever. It is indeed Korean cinema. It is Korean cinema. That is a Bong Joon. Oh, oh, his big Bong breakthrough. Joon-ho? That's his big breakthrough film in 2003. Uh, oh, I have shit. not yet well, watched it, but yes, let's sure. do that. All right, All right, Memories of Murder. Okay, yeah. and, and then two uh, is from the Watch Stacks. Yes, indeed. Uh, and and is a much smaller group because we'd just be doing like maybe these this last group of them in the past week. So from Surf Two to the Motion Picture. All right. Well, you've kind of sold me on all of these. They're all really good. So, like, so one one other thing that that I've sort of uh, sort of uh, talked about is that if you are interested in a couple, you could always just grab a couple of them and just like do one of them this week, and then kind of get to the okay, other well, one let's... when you get to it, because we'll have like those several days in between where I'm watching the stuff and we haven't exchanged yet, right? Right. So, if there's well, a couple you're interested in, let's go with Six String Samurai and Day of the Beast. I'm interested Ready. in all of them, but they're all pretty great. They're, the way we may have to come back for some of these at another because some of them are pretty dang fun. It sounds like it. You, you really sold me on these. <laughs> it's a good group. All right, cool. So next week, Six Strings Samurai and Day of the Beast. We're going to have more of a, a psychotronic week after a very mellow week. Uh, primer and Bloody Nose Empty Pocket. Quiet films. Quite. All right. Uh, so that's about everything, I suppose. Do you have anything else you? Uh... Um, I think I'm good. Uh, I'm gonna eventually start watching my watching movies and shows on my own. This is this <laughs> cast is kind of a way to get me to get back into that because for yeah. the last year and a half, I literally did nothing fun with friends. Right, and sort of like it was the same with me, except what I did was watch movies i i set up these stacks and i just got into watching stuff all the time because can't go out can't do anything so may as well whereas i had a right yeah i had a different reaction i didn't want to watch if i couldn't have any fun i didn't want to watch other people having fun (laughs) so so i took to video games where i could pretend i was actually doing something right i get that yeah but but I, in the process, I missed out on a lot of stuff. True. Uh, but hey, well, the, the, it's not going again, anywhere. And restrictions are like slowly easing up. We're both going to be vaccinated completely pretty soon, and uh, we'll be able to watch some of these together. Imagine. <laughs> oh, we might be able to record in the same room so that we will actually be able to tell if silence is one of us not talking or, if, <laughs> or whether or not it's a bad connection. It'll be amazing. We're looking forward oh, to it. Look forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. Uh, 
Uh, we haven't really come up with a way to close this yet. Uh, as I've been saying, uh, keep watching the stacks. Take care. <laughs>